Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Uh, just a couple quick notes on today's podcast. So this one was kind of strange. It, it really, this was taken the day that I had to sort of make a decision on whether or not to continue the voyage or head back after sort of realizing that uh, the damage to the bowsprit might might be a little more than I could handle. And I was essentially hove to um, from very early in the morning and stayed that way most of the day. And I think I was just in a pretty strange uh, mindset trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I sort of go into that a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's I, I was thinking maybe not putting this one out there. Not that it's crazy or, or anything. I don't want to get your expectations up. It's more just sort of rambling and trying to talk through my situation. Uh, to myself out there before I was able to get in touch with people back on land. So I don't know, but I, I, in the end, I figure it's it's part of the story and, um, you know, sort of needs to needs to be out there. And so I'm going to I'm just going to post this one and I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, there should be at least two, two or three more of these coming up and hopefully Hopefully some more interviews as well. I'm up here in Michigan now uh, visiting with my parents, and then then I'll head back to the boat uh, probably in a few weeks. So, Other than that, uh, as always, if you enjoy the podcast and want to support it, please go over to patreon.com and uh, look up Sailing Into Oblivion or just pick up a copy of the old Sailing Into Oblivion book on Amazon. So, Other than that, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy. All right, and we are live here aboard Hove 2 Mighty Sparrow. It is November 30th. Shout out to my brother Adam. It's his birthday today. I believe he has turned 41, maybe? Something like that. Um, but we're in a bit of a pickle. Um, so... We've been pushing pretty hard um, to get down south, and we were actually looking pretty good. Um, we're in the southeast trades. Seas have built up a little bit, you know, three to six feet with the oddball, bigger one. Nothing, nothing crazy, but, uh, you know, sort of bashing our way through it because we have to make sure we get... Uh, have a little bit of room in between us and the tip of Brazil. At least that's the game plan. And um, for the last few days, as things have, as the winds have filled in more, uh, I've been sort of pushing the boat a little hard. And last night, essentially, uh, took about a succession of I think two waves. This was sort of in and out of sleep, but uh, I was on deck as soon as. Uh, as soon as we hit the second one, and uh, it just could feel 
feel the pain uh, that Sparrow just went through. And my biggest concern uh, was the bowsprit. Um, during that storm going through Wanda, we, when we were hove to, uh, we definitely bashed into some very, very large seas. Um, and essentially the, the bowsprit on this boat is, it's, uh, three large pieces of like Douglas fir, something, I don't know, real strong sandwiched together. And then it has two flat little rails that go along each side so that you can walk up there, you can sit up there, that sort of thing. And uh, essentially, in Wanda, after we got out of that and I was able to take a look at everything, um, those had been sort of popped up and they separated. So all of the varnish work and all of the... Um, I, don't, I can't even remember... What I used to sort of seal those together, or if I've even ever sealed them together. Um, uh, in any event, all that had cracked open. So there were there was open holes, and there was a bit more flex. And a small crack up on the f very forward section, which doesn't take any load per se, so I wasn't too worried about that. But I sealed all those areas uh, with 5200, and then... Uh, did some pretty heavy-duty varnish on the actual bowsprit, the three sandwich sheets, because there was tiny gap that had opened up. Um, and so, in any event, um, it was just something where I was, I, I thought, yeah, okay, well, you know, she went through a bashing, but it's all right, nothing really, you know. I didn't think it was going to be too too big a deal, and I knew I was just going to monitor it. Well, after now two weeks of sort of bashing, and especially last night, pushing the boat uh, a little too hard, essentially um, the two posts that anchor that little uh, footrail down into the cap rail onto the boat, um, those popped out. <laughs> so, uh, and that's something I don't know. I don't think I have the ability to actually fix that uh, in any proper way, shape, or form uh, right now, or or even on a flat com C. Possibly, if I head back to the doldrums, I might be able to uh, find a position that's that's calm enough and and everything, so that I could I could sort of take it all apart and put it all back together. Um, but the reality of that situation is um, kind of crazy, <laughs> I think. Um, you know, we've been working really hard. I've had to head north twice now to try and uh, edge our way a little more to the east because uh, when we're essentially trying to get away from Wanda, I headed south um, instead of more southeast or east because I figured I would be able to catch uh, more easterly uh, northeast winds on my way down and then cut over, and that didn't happen. And so I found myself not far enough east, so I needed to really bash my way uh, 
over, but it wasn't looking too good. And so I kept heading north, back into the lightning and all that stuff with the doldrums. Long story short, it's been it's been a pretty tough couple of weeks, but um, it seemed like we were pretty much good good to go. And I think that's why I was uh, pushing the boat so hard. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so at this point, uh, I'm weighing all of the sort of options that I have um, and looking at sort of the reality of, of my situation. And over the next four hours, I'll be getting in touch with um, friends and family, my weather guys, all that sort of stuff, and uh, try and see what they have to say. Um, I'd like to get sort of their opinion on the, uh, the matter, especially my brother, Adam, because he's, he's done a lot of work. Not a, not a lot of woodwork, but he has done quite a bit of boat right stuff um and yeah just just kind of i want to see what's what's their take on the situation is but for me now and and part of the reason i want to do this podcast um you know while we're sitting here hove two and for the first time in forever it is not uh we're not just pushing 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 so it um i don't know it's an interesting feeling but I just wanted to sort of uh, talk myself through some of my options and some of the pros and cons of, of what's going on. So I think one of the first things is taking a look at the reality of uh, what will happen if I continue on uh, south to try to get to Cape Horn. And looking at the chart... I'm at three degrees south. Um, I'm going to be beating into the southeast trades for uh, at least until probably 20, 25 south. So that's quite a ways. Um, 20 times 6, it's like 12, 1,500 miles probably. Um, so that's a good another <clears throat> 12 to 2 weeks. 12 days to two weeks and we're talking beating into it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes these seas can get, you know, up in the uh, eight to 10 foot, 12 foot range. Um, so we're talking about a lot more smashing the bow into, into that because I can't peel off the wind. Uh, Cause I'll just, I'll end up running into South America, that pesky old continent down there. Um, and then go further down, you're in the variables, and then obviously the goal here was to try and round Cape Horn backwards, which um, is different than pounding your way into the trade winds. Um, there's, uh, you know, just the, the systems that roll around down there, there's wiggle room as far as how you get around them and all that sort of stuff. Um, you get winds from essentially all different directions. So, um, but the chance of running into weather as bad or much worse than Wanda is, I don't think a reality. I think it's a certainty. Um, and there's going to be positions where I'm, I have to hove to, or I have to fore reach, 
Uh, I'm not going to be able to just sit there and run like I would if, uh, if I was headed the other direction. So that being said, uh, out loud and just thinking about the condition of the bowsprit, which is absolutely questionable. I think I've just answered <laughs> just answered my own my own question to tell you the truth. Um, you know, cuz the realities of that are just a continued pressing and and bashing and that the bowsprit's not going to get any better even if I try and fix it. Um I'm not 100% confident in my ability to be able to fix that thing outside of a boatyard properly. Um, you know, in my estimation, I would, I would like to take the entire bowsprit apart um, and all, all the way down, you know, there's, there's two big posts that come, come up through the deck, the bits, and water uh, has definitely been getting in there. Uh, so I don't know if every, if the shock of everything, um, you know, lifted, lifted the deck area or what, I, I don't really know. Um, I've done sort of a inspection. Everything is soaked up in the, the little, uh, anchor chain locker, which you access from the, uh, forward cabin. And when I looked at the bilge, we probably took, took in maybe five gallons over the night. So a gallon an hour. Um, I keep checking it now that we're hove to, and uh, no, no more water has gotten in, which essentially means to me that uh, it's definitely getting in up forward. Because um, normally Sparrow is a pretty tight boat, except for a few little leaks, uh, you know, here and there, because it's 45 years old. But those are all cosmetic leaks little things like that um so that's a bit of a worry um to to add to that though we also uh although the batteries have been doing a good job of reclaiming um you know now they they don't dip below 12 volts uh throughout the night and that's with nav lights avs ai AIS and uh, all the fans are on, so I think I think getting that that one dud battery out of there is uh, has been uh, was sort of the secret to success. And now that we're getting so much bright sunshine every day, the batteries are getting fully topped up. Um, they're they're doing a whole lot better. But um, the the manual bilge pump uh, seems to be or not the manual, the automatic bilge pump, the, the electric one seems to be malfunctioning. Now, I have a backup, and I'm going to probably hook that one in um, a little later on today. Uh, but it was kind of, I don't know, it was a bit of a shock to have, you know, five gallons of water sloshing around underneath the, uh, in the bilge, and then turn the, turn the bilge pump on and not have that work. So I just had to manually um, do it. And the manual one works. It works great. It actually, it's amazing how much water those those manual bilge pumps pump out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but it's also something I don't, you know, if I don't have to do it, I don't want to. Um, but 
Uh, I don't know. That's going to be kind of interesting either way. If I decide to continue on, uh, obviously I'm going to have to monitor all that and the water intake and, um, and even if I end up uh, heading back towards the States, you know, it's another four and a half thousand miles or something to get back there. Um, but I, it will be off of the wind sailing, so I don't know. Uh, when you're off the wind on this boat, um, there's way, way less water sloshing all over the, uh, the foredeck and everything. So uh, those are sort of the issues. Um, and yeah, I guess looking at uh, looking at uh, other options, I did think maybe maybe cutting out just just the Cape Horn section and going down south, maybe just dip into the Southern Ocean sort of thing. Um, but again, that doesn't alleviate another two weeks of of beating. And then in the variables, the South Atlantic sometimes can be a pretty ugly place. Um, some of the storms that come off of like Argentina and stuff, uh, I don't know. I look back on my chart from the trip around the world and uh, I saw three gales all around like 30 degrees uh, south, somewhere around there. So... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is not uh, not exactly uh, my my happiest uh, day. <laughs> and what I think, you know, I think some of the stuff that really troubles me about having to call it and head back is uh, just there's a lot of people that have have watched and are sort of involved with the trip. A few classrooms full of kids. Um, I don't know, I, you know, and and for me, a big part of this obviously is going to be like ego, um, and I'm I'm trying to take that out of the equation. Um, it is a little. Uh, it's a little easier to not be too upset about having to turn back because of some of the trips I've done before. It's not as though I have some big thing to prove. It's not my big trip to go around the world. Uh, I, I did ask myself, you know, what, what would I have done had, had this sort of thing happened? And I, you know, I mean, I pulled the, we had damage, uh, to the bowsprit, um, the anchor anchor bolt for the staysail came out. Well, that's in the Southern Ocean. Um, but I, you know, when you're down there, there's, there's not a whole lot else you can do but figure it out and and hope for the best. And and part of the that that leads into sort of. And actually, it was something that I had told Peter Lawless, who had steering issues and had to to stop his. Uh, attempt at the solo nonstop and uh, pretty upset about it, obviously. But um, I told him that, hey, you know, at least at least it happened where it happened and um, you weren't down in the Indian Ocean because when when guys like he and I or, or Randall Reeves, um, Matt Rutherford, when we go out there and just do our own trip, no organized race, 
no big sponsored team behind you, all that sort of stuff. We're on our own. And it's not like a, a scrambling of um, things happen when when you need real help down there. So I'm trying to look at it as, you know, right now I'm in a good position to be able to cut right back to the northeast and beeline it for the United States. Uh, it'll take 45 days or something like that. Uh, but it's going to be downwind sailing for the vast majority of it, which will take uh, the pounding out of the equation. And uh, obviously I'll have to take it pretty easy uh, as far as what sails I throw up on that bowsprit. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where had this happened down in the variables or happened down oh you know what though i mean if it uh, if it gets if it gets worse down by like cape horn and stuff then it's pretty much you just run with it get across the south atlantic and then run back up so there is that option And I suppose, well, one of the problems, though, if it gets real bad, as I'm beating down there, there will be a point where I'm beating down towards Cape Horn and then to turn around and come back uh, to get around Brazil again, I'll basically be having to beat into the easterlies. So that if, if things went awry, say I go down for 10 days and then get in some weather and blow the bowsprit right up, then I have to basically turn around and beat into the wind. <laughs> uh, so I'm just, I'm just talking my way. I just want to see how many things I can kind of come up with. I don't know. Uh, or I'm just trying to talk myself out of it. I don't I don't know. It's such a weird place to be in, you know, on the last trip the decision was made for me and even though it sent me into the Atlantic during hurricane season, I didn't have any choice in the matter and this time I sort of have the it's up to me on whether or not I think the question really is do I think that the bowsprit and Sparrow are ready and in good condition to continue on and do what needs to be done to get around into the Pacific, or is she not? And right now, I know I'm not very comfortable with it. It definitely doesn't seem like it would be the smartest decision. Hmm. It definitely doesn't seem like the smartest decision. And there's that old sort of saying, you know, sometimes the hardest thing is to uh, make the right decision. I guess, I guess in a lot of ways it just comes down to why, 
why keep going? Why keep going if I don't feel comfortable and confident in the boat as opposed to head back, get the boat in the condition it needs to be in, learn from sort of the mistakes I made, try and try and maybe improve upon that uh, that bowsprit a little bit, shore it up some more maybe, and then then I have the option to go back out and do it again, you know, the following year. Because Cape Horn ain't going anywhere. <sighs> Man, this one's a toughie. It's going to be really interesting to see what uh, what some of the other guys say. I mean, I know what my mom's going to say. Obviously, she's going to be pretty stoked. Uh, she's going to tell me I need to come back now. I wonder what the old man will say. My brother. Hmm. Man. It is tough. It's really, really tough. Uh, it's not a, a fun position to be in. And uh, I'm definitely feeling uh, Peter's, Peter's pain out here. I... Uh, Ah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, I'm gonna take uh, a quick break here, and then I'll uh, I'll come back. Okay, we're back. Sorry, just uh, uh got a little emotional there. Uh, suppose that happens. Um, whew. Hard man. Never really been in this uh, in this position. I mean, I was trying to think back to the first trip, and there were definitely some trials and tribulations there. Uh, definitely a lot of broken stuff, but um, nothing, nothing even really close to this. Because um, this just is uh, kind of a vital. It's a vital section of the boat, and uh, it's supposed to be the strongest, toughest part, and it's turning out not to be, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, just now, standing up there on deck and looking at it and looking at the situation, boy, it uh, it seems like it would be rather foolhardy of me uh, to just press on and see how it goes you know like I said I mean the ocean's always going to be here it's not like I can't attempt it again um, it's a bit of a bummer because once again I'm broke <laughs> but uh, who knows maybe uh, maybe my unsponsored trips are over and it's time to take on some sponsorships for some of these next ones uh, I don't know We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Still haven't made up my mind, but I think I probably already have. I think I know that uh, the wise decision here is to uh, tuck tail and peel off the wind and um, head back. And I don't know. I mean, trying to look at some of the positives of doing that. 
because you got to look at you know every single angle here. Um, one, I'll do way less damage to this boat if I have a nice long downwinder back to the states. I will encounter the Christmas winds because it's going to take. Uh, I'll be getting. Well, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be rough going uh, for a little bit, but it should all be downwind. Uh, typically, that time of year, it's just gonna be really strong easterlies uh, and some northeasterlies. So, but just the, the the whole the whole thing with this with these west sails and stuff, they are fantastic, unbelievable boats. They just hate going upwind they're just not designed for cutting through the ocean they just pound through the ocean and uh you know when i look at that that bowsprit now all i see is like what a vulnerability those those side rails are i mean they're, they're just this big flat section they have cutouts but when you're slamming into the the waves and dunking it, I mean, that's a huge amount of pressure because this bow goes up and it comes crashing down when you're really hobby horsing or really pushing hard. And um, I mean, even when I was hove to, when I was hove to in Wanda, that we were taking some pretty big drops. Like you know, you'd feel the boat go up, and I'd sort of almost levitate in the bunk. And, uh, or on the floor, I remember <laughs> sitting on the, sitting on the floor in all my wet weather gear, just listening to it rage out there. Oh my gosh. That's one time where I really wish I would have, uh, one, I wish it would have happened during the day so I could have videoed some of it. And two, I wish I would have taken my little anemometer up there. It's a handheld one. Um, but it would have been kind of nice to see what the uh, peak peak wind speeds were i can only estimate but um i don't even want to do that really well i was blowing 98 miles an hour <laughs> no, nothing worse than that <laughs> oh man uh so uh uh I guess a uh, checklist of things that I need to do if we are going to, if I do pull the trigger and we end up going back, I'm going to have to switch the bunk over to the uh, port side, which will be kind of cool. Give me a little extra headroom. Uh, I'm going to have to clean some of this area. I, I don't know about you guys, uh, but we have been having major mold issues here on Sparrow, like insane, worse than I've ever seen. But, you know, I brought bleach and I brought vinegar and been able to sort of tame it down. And I've only lost like one box of oatmeal, had mold on it, and uh, all the wine bags, the uh, the boxes. I'll tell you what, I used to just be a absolute cardinal rule of mine. No cardboard on the boat. But I always thought it was, you know, cockroaches and things like that, bugs. And with the boxes of wine, I was like, hey, you know, this thing would be fine. And it was so convenient to be able to stash them there. 
So I had to unbox because I still have all these boxes of wine. So I had to unbox them all. I cleaned out the fridge really, really nice yesterday uh, while we're just pounding <laughs> into the weather. Oh, man. And uh, so there's a whole bunch of wine skins in there. And so that helps because, you know, there's nothing, nothing squirrelier than uh, the old wine bag without its box. They, they're all over the place. When we used to go camping up uh, northern Michigan, holy smokes. We'd all take two wineskins with us. And, uh, boy, that, that click, it's coming from right behind my head. And it's a, uh, it's like this cutaway sort of bulkhead thing. And it's right up against the, the deck. And all it is is that thing is shifting as we go up and over these waves. Even though we're hove too, there's still quite a bit of motion out here right now. And, uh, and when it rubs, it's like click, trying to sleep sometimes with that. <sighs> Holy cow. Holy cow. Uh, but yeah, so wineskins, uh, I'm, I'm just, my brain is, is pretty mashed up. Well, I haven't really been sleeping much, um, on account of the, the motion of the boat. And we, we've pretty much had squalls every night. Luckily the last two nights we haven't had lightning, but the previous 10 days we sure did. Some of the squalls up there in the doldrums were absolutely bananas. Scary. I hate that. I hate lightning. But I also realized that, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So you don't sit there and worry. I just I just prefer to uh, sit in the cockpit and look at the stars rather than uh, huddle <laughs> down below and watch the flashing. Uh, in the sky, fill the portholes. So, ah, man. You know, the, the one of the crazy parts about this whole situation, too, is that I could sit here, Hove 2, for a week if I wanted to. I mean, I am in literally, well, maybe not the perfect spot, but I'm in, I'm in a spot where I have... A couple hundred miles all around me of just open water. There's no systems coming in. We're in the trades. Um, I can head south. I can head north. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. Huh. It is so crazy. So, so crazy. This is not, uh, I literally 12 hours ago, when I was watching the sunset and we started making really good speed, I cracked off the wind just a, just a little bit. And, uh, our speed cranked back up to five, six knots. And it seemed to be like we weren't, uh, we weren't bashing quite as, as bad or at least not as often, but every once in a while you'd get some little southerly, wave and and obviously kind of push through it but i i don't know i've grown so accustomed to bashing <laughs> over the last bunch of days so <sighs> i don't know i don't know i mean that that's probably the the thing that sucks the most um about this whole situation is 
in the end, it's it's all sort of stringing back to a mistake that that I made, a misjudgment after Wanda, because had I just said, you know, so Wanda was sort of just meandering, and it was actually headed when it crossed over me, it was headed to the southeast, which is odd, and it was just lumbering around. <clears throat> And had I ridden it out and just gone as far east as I could, you know, 20 degrees west or something, then I would have been pretty much reaching across the wind all the way down. But I guess on the other hand, to back to my other point, was that if if I had already weakened uh, everything up there on the bowsprit, then this all would probably have happened down near Cape Horn. So that would not be a fun situation to have to go through, um, to possibly have to pull in somewhere down there or actually be stuck in the Southern Ocean trying to deal with a completely broken bowsprit, um, taking on water and batteries not doing great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I, I think I, man, just, just thinking about that situation alone is pretty scary. And it's a situation I definitely do not want to have to go through, um, without full confidence in what I have on board here. Man, I have so much food too. talk about on board going to take me a year to eat all this food man all right well i'm going to uh i'm going to end that here for now um we'll do we'll fill in the second half of this uh after i've made my decision and uh we're either continuing south or we are uh Heading to the Northwest, uh, back to the States. So thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me vent and try and figure out this totally messed up situation. I have found myself in on, I think it's day 43 at sea now. Um, something like that. Anyway, all right. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>